It's Friday, September 15th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And so today, we continue our walk through the book Ordinary by Tony Morita. And today, again, we are honored to be joined by Dr. Rick Morton as he leads us through chapter four of the book Ordinary. Thanks once again for joining us for the Defender Podcast. This is Rick Morton, and I'm here today to lead you in the next installment of our Bible study, um, where we are studying the book Ordinary by Tony Morita. We're going to be looking today at chapter four, um, which is about advocacy and about using the voice that we have um, to advocate for people um, to seek justice for them in our world. Um, This chapter is co-written by Tony's wife, Kimberly, who is herself an advocate um, as a part of International Justice Mission and other work that she does um, in their church at Imago Day in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the way that she leads people to to be able to use their voice in their ordinary lives to be able to um, to seek justice for those who who ultimately can't seek justice for themselves. Um, one of the, the the passages of scripture that Tony and Kimberly point out in uh, in this chapter is Psalm seventy two, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to we're going to take a look at Psalm seventy two and look at some pieces and parts of what the Lord has revealed to us in His Word through Psalm seventy two and see if we can sort of glean out some principles of things that that we as the body of Christ, we as individual believers, can do to use our voice, our platform, and our place in the ordinary places that we go in order to seek justice for for people who may be living at the margins. Um, Psalm 72 is one of those psalms that scholars have a differing opinion about. Um, they, it, it says that it is a psalm of Solomon, if you, if you look in your Bible, uh, in most versions. But, but there's been some level of controversy about whether this is a, is a psalm for Solomon or a psalm from Solomon. Um, I really believe when you look at, at verse 20 that it sort of clears that up for us and lets us know that it's probably both. Um, verse 20 of of Psalm 72 says, The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. And, and I think what this leads us to understand is that, is that these were words and instructions that David spoke over Solomon and, and things that he told him about his role as king. And so David as king was passing this along as truth to his son who was going to ascend to the throne. And I believe Solomon then wrote this down as a psalm and a song for the people of Israel to, to, to talk about the way that justice should, should, should permeate their, their culture and their society as a result of the king. The other reason that I believe Psalm 72 was written is because it it, it looks forward to a time um, uh, with Jesus as king. And, and so essentially, it, it's one of those dual purpose kinds of passages in the Old Testament where it talks about a true reality for the people today, but it points to an even truer and even greater reality in the future um, when Jesus will reign as king. And, and so the things that it says about earthly kings and about earthly circumstances are things that are even more true about God's kingdom and, and about the circumstances that are true of the kingdom of God. And, and so when, when we take seriously um, these admonitions, 
Christians, and we understand even what Jesus said to us and said to, to his followers in, in the model prayer where he says, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that, that this idea that, that part of what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to live like citizens of heaven um, while we're here on earth. And, and so that means that, that using ordinary circumstances and, and, and the things that happen in the course of our day um, to be able to, to, to like make the conditions and point toward the conditions of the kingdom that we're citizens of, which is the, the, the kingdom of God. And we know that, that like one day in fullness, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to fully establish his kingdom and that all of these things will be absolutely and completely true. But today we can, we can make sure that they're more true and that we, that we insist on these values by the way that we live and by, by the things that we do. So in Psalm 72, um, there are several reminders and several things that, that Solomon points out that I, that I want us to share together today um, that, that we can look at as, as things that are truths that we can either take into our heart or actions that we can begin to do um, in, order to, in order to seek justice, in order to advocate for justice in our world. The first thing is, is, is verse 1 of, of Psalm 72 says, Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. And so the first point that we that we make this morning is that that justice we know is something that comes from the Lord. That justice isn't because there are rules in our country or or, or policies in our community. Um, justice doesn't exist because we come to a common consensus of what's good uh, or what's right. Justice comes because it's been given from the Lord, and and so there are there are certain ways that we're supposed to be, certain ways that we're supposed to act. There there are certain things that are good and acceptable, and there are other things that are that are unacceptable. And those things come not because of, of human consensus or because we've gotten together and decided that those are good things, those things come because ultimately, because God has established that those things are right and good or those things are, are, are bad and improper. And, and so as the people of God, what we need to, to do is to, to use our voice and to use our place in the community to uphold the values of the kingdom and to, and to insist that people are treated um, as people who are created in the image of God, it created in the, as it, as it said in the Latin, the Imago Dei, um, and, that, and that because we're created in the image of God, there's a certain dignity, there's a certain set of rights, there's a, there's a certain personhood that comes with that that's distinct from all of creation. And that when we insist that people are treated rightly, ultimately, um, that's a praise offering to God because we're, we're acknowledging the, the image of God that's resident in people. Um, it, it, also, we're reminded in Psalm 72, verse 2, it says, May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. And, and so that idea of talking about that seeking justice for the poor, um, the Solomon reminds us that justice is, is ultimately no, true justice is no no respecter of person. Um, that, that many times in our world we see that that justice, that, that even though we seek justice and we we strive for justice in our in our communities and in our culture, that many times justice is unequally applied. And there are some people that that get more justice than others. There's sometimes people that are that are even given given things that are unjust, um, so that others can be trampled down justly. And and the reason is because these are the these people are 
maybe the right people or they have the right resources or they have they have the right ability to defend themselves. And, and what we're reminded here is that, that right is right and wrong is wrong and that within the economy of the kingdom of God that we need to seek justice for all people, not just for people who, who fall into an acceptable class or into an acceptable place. That what we're honoring is we're honoring the, the, the goodness and the, and the dignity that, that God provides in each person um, in that resonant image of God in a person. And so, so we need to be people who are on the lookout for those who are, are poor and marginalized and, and disenfranchised and, and that we seek to actively seek justice for them and to plead their case. Um, the prophet Isaiah in, in Isaiah chapter one, that, that verse that we, we sort of hang our hat on many time, many times in, in orphan care, Isaiah 117, where it talks about defending the fatherless. Um, Isaiah also reminds the people that part of their responsibility is to plead the widow's cause. And, and so that, that we're actively to use the place that we have and the voice that we have and the vote that we have and the money that we have and everything that God has blessed us with in order to in order to seek justice, in order to plead for people um, who, who don't have the opportunity to plead for themselves. One of the things I tell churches all the time is that that I'm, I may not um, I may not be a prophet and I may not be the son of a prophet, but I can predict something that's not going to happen in their church today. Um, this Sunday, that the one thing that I know that's not going to happen is, is there's not going to be a group of, of fatherless children, a group of, of orphans and vulnerable children that are going to show up at their church and picket and insist on the church giving them justice. The truth is that vulnerable children, part of the, the greatest part of their vulnerability is that they have no voice, they have no standing, they have no ability to take care of themselves, and, and, that, and that because they're orphans, they're, they're easily marginalized and they're easily victimized. And so, so part of our ministry here at Lifeline is to say that we want to be a voice for those voice, voiceless children, that, that we realize that, that, that unless we go to them, unless we understand them, unless we advocate for them, unless we give to them... Uh, Unless we do for them what they can't do for themselves, um, there's never a point where they're they're really going to get justice on their own. And it's incumbent upon us in the body of Christ if we're going to live up to um, what Isaiah tells us is is required of the people of God that we have to go out of our way and have to be attentive to their needs, and then we have to speak to their needs and for their needs in order for those needs to be met. Um, in, in Psalm 72 as well, if you kind of continue that thought, uh, in verse 3, he says, Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May, may, the cause, may he defend the cause of the poor and give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. And, and here's the thing. In that day, people, the, the mountains equated to people as protection. They were the places where watchmen could stand watch and they could warn the people when a threat was coming. They were the, they were the things that provided fortifications and provided an ability to be able to, to defend from challenges from the outside. And, and, and part of what we need to see that our role is to provide for people who are in situations where they're marginalized, where they're not given a voice, children that are in the foster care system, kids that are, that are in foreign countries that are awaiting adoption, or, or kids that need help transitioning into, into adulthood. And the way that, that we can help them is by being that 
being that stable force, being that watchman, being that fortification, and whether that means uh, adoption or entering into foster care as a foster family or, or wrapping around a foster family, that part of what we're doing is we're giving voice to the, to the plight and to the peril of these kids, and, and we're not allowing them to suffer in silence, but we're using our presence as, as a way of, of seeking healing and seeking betterment for them. Something that um, if you go on into Isaiah, when, when Isaiah talks about the conditions of, of what the community will begin to look like as a, result of, um, as a result of a just king, what he says is, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places." And and so in the in the interim that, that like we know that 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 into the future part of the part of the reality of living under the rule and reign of Jesus and living as part of the kingdom of God is that when Jesus reigns and when He's on His throne and when He reigns over this earth in fullness that there's gonna come a day when when we will live in quietness and trust forever that's never gonna end sin is is never again gonna enter the picture and break things that we will live. In in a peaceful habitation and secure dwellings that we will have quiet rest because because sin will be completely permanently vanquished and we will live completely under the authority and under the reign of our king but until that day when, when we go about using our voice to seek quietness and trust and peace and peaceful habitation and secure dwellings and quiet resting places for people who are being treated unjustly or people who are, who are being treated improperly um, like vulnerable children in our community, what we're doing is, is we're testifying to, to that day that's coming and we're telling the world like we believe this day is going to come, but until then, we're going to be people that are going to create those situations the best we can, and, and we're going to put a taste on the lips of the world of what the coming kingdom of God is like. Then in verse 6 of, of, of Psalm 72, it also says um, that, that the king, it says, May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. That, that part of what we use, our vote and our resources and our homes and our money and all of the things that we have, um, that part of what we use that for is to be a refreshment to those um, that, are, that are marginalized and to those that are, that are being victimized. I know one of the things that living in the South that, that I just have to confess that I hate is I, I hate yard work. I hate to cut the grass. I hate to work in the flower beds. I hate to be outside. I just, I just don't like it. It's, it's, it's a necessary evil, but it's nothing that really brings joy. Um, but, but one of the things that, you know, that I've noticed over time is, is, is that sometimes when, when I go out and I cut the grass, it, you know, those Saturday afternoons where it looks like it's going to rain and you get out and you, you work and you cut the grass and you can see, um, you know, you, you can see a, a, a profitable end to, to your effort and the yard looks great and you go inside and then all of a sudden, like a big rain shower comes, it's almost as if you can feel the grass growing again, right? It's like, I, I know it's not going to be long before I'm going to have to be behind my lawnmower again and I'm going to have to be cutting the grass and edging the yard and doing all that stuff over again. Why? Because, because what the mower cuts 
um, what the mower hacks away, what the mower destroys, the rain brings back. The rain refreshes and it causes growth and it washes away and, and it ultimately creates the conditions for growth and, and, and for progress. And, and so part of what, um, what we have the opportunity to do when, when we speak for justice for those who can't speak for themselves is we, ha- we have the opportunity to be like a healing rain to our culture. When we insist on laws that protect those that can't protect themselves, when, when we lobby elected officials to protect those who can't protect themselves, when, when, when we insist on those values being held up, when we consume goods that protect people and, and pay a living wage, and when we insist on not buying products that don't, all of those are, are small ways that we as Christ followers um, can 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 put a, a, a put a healing balm and, and and a bit of refreshment over the world as, as we seek to take what we have dominion over and what God has given us stewardship over and use that for the good and for the betterment of people um, who are being treated unjustly. Um, we're also reminded in Psalm 72 that, that the gospel is for the nations. Um, it says, may, he, he talks about, it says, May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and serve him. What, what, what's he saying here is that, that ultimately that, that the reign of our king is going to extend from ocean to ocean. It's going to extend from the lowest valley to the highest mountaintop. And that when we as the people of God, um, use the places we go and, and, and the things that we have dominion over to seek justice, we are ultimately provided a platform to be able to point toward our Lord and, and who He is and what He has done and the rescue that He provides for the world. And, and the promise that we have here and, and, and sort of the way this psalm ends, it says, Long may he live. May the, gold of Sheba, may the gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him for all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land and on the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May the people be blessed by him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And it's a reminder reminder to us that the king reigns forever. That the king reigns today because he reigns in our hearts. That the king reigns today because he not only reigns in our hearts, but he has an opportunity to reign, reign through our voices and through our actions. And, and that as we make a difference in this world and as we seek justice, we're able to do it in the name of and on the behalf of our king. But it's also a reminder that tomorrow that our king will reign in all the world. And that as much as we testify to the fact that he reigns in our hearts today, and as much as we act because, because He reigns in our heart today, we also anticipate a day when His reign will be in its fullness and when there will be no more hurt and there will be no more injustice and there will be no more need um, for us to have to seek justice because justice will be. And that as we work for that today, 
we bear testimony to the fact that that day is coming and that's who our king is. We hope you've been blessed by the study of the book of Ordinary and uh, written by Tony Morita and and this chapter in particular. Um, This ministry, um, the Defender Podcast, is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services. You can find out more about Lifeline at www.lifelinechild.org. And we thank you for, for tuning in today and listening and hope that this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to use your voice um, and use uh, all that has been given to you um, to to defend the fatherless um, and to be a voice to the voiceless. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.